five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Poem podcast, your premier podcast covering both the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined by the recently renamed Onby at Onby Strife, I imagine, on the socials, uh, and uh, Jordan at Sir Dr. JM. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, hello. Yeah, maybe because my eyes were flying about Again. without my control, uh, that's why I misspelled. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You didn't have it on, allegedly, um, but you are now Omni at Omni Strife, so yeah. there we go. It's oh, fixed. You, All is right in the world. You know what? I didn't even put in a name today, so mine is No, I know, but I'm not going to call you Squadcaster HDFE. Like the fee, I guess. Right? Um, and if you didn't realize this as a listener, we use a platform called Squadcast, uh, which has been recently acquired by a company called Descript. And uh, it, uh, long story short, gave us, or at least me, a heck of a scare when I got news that uh, our yearly rate that we've been paying was going to change to monthly. Now, it's not like divide by 12 and that's what you pay monthly. No, your annual rate is monthly, though they've suggested. Wow. That is a typo. Sir, Dr. General Michelin. General Michelin, yes. Hmm. Okay. Um, Lots of as you can around. tell, <laughs> Overwatch League has uh, still been uh, taking a break. And we haven't had a whole lot to talk about. We do have Overwatch League action this weekend. Uh, not a lot of it. Um, and then again, not a lot of it next weekend either. But we'll talk a little bit about uh, that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll probably find a way to talk for an hour, hour and a half as we usually do. But uh, to get there, the first thing that we must do is start pushing this payload. Moving the payload! Join me! Battle of Canada 2.0, or at least the second time that the two Canadian franchises meet each other in the uh, summer stage, uh, takes place this weekend. Uh, you want to tune in on Sunday, 1.30 p.m. Pacific, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. And again, it's not appointment viewing in so much that you should watch this. You should. It's just that who knows what happens in the match previous and when the actual you know, match gets underway, but the Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant uh, face off yet again in a match that's quite critical for both teams uh, as they go into the final two weekends, or this being the penultimate weekend of the regular season. Um, I would have suggested that we would have not known what to think with the new hero, um, Alari being introduced and obviously all of the adjustments to the heroes, yet late word has suggested that we're going to see, and we'll talk more about it in the fray, the meta that we saw last two weeks ago make a return. Now, that obviously is simply scuttlebutt, um, but what has come out is that um, the Overwatch team knew that Alari was going to be um, well-tuned, I think is the term they had used, hmm. uh, and a lot of fun to play. But they've elected to nerf both the pylon and the ultimate. And those two adjustments have what essentially energized the rumors that we're going to get to see the Winston Sombra name your DPS hero, um, Brigana or, you know, combination, essentially the same meta we had seen previously. Mm -hmm. And I'd have to give the edge to the Vancouver Titans if that is the case. If it's the previous meta, I feel that Vancouver has figured it out much better than Toronto had. Now, obviously, they've had two weeks to scrim and try all sorts of crazy stuff. And maybe one of the teams does crazy stuff. Who knows? But am I am I wrong to suggest that Vancouver's got the edge? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's multiple components to it. I think, uh, first of all, that the previous match uh, when the two teams fought each other, it was first very close. Um, there were some blunders uh, happening all over, and there were a few factors there. And I think following af after that match, it seemed like Vancouver is playing a little bit better in that particular meta or, or that stage. And I think they'll want to like get back at, at uh, Toronto and and just like from listening around, uh, also from Baroy, who appeared in one of the podcasts, 
it, it seems that they're like pretty confident that right now they're the best they ever been. And I don't know if that's the same for Toronto right now. Yeah. Uh, but who knows really with the, with the meta and what we were hearing. Yeah. But I have, go ahead. Yeah, Just, just the final thing. If, if it is the, the, the previous meta of, of uh, Sombra tracer, I think Titans should, mm-hmm. should be winning this. Yeah. I have very conflicted feelings about this because I went into this season pretty hyped on Toronto, you know, believing in the power of friendship and everything. And I feel like that still kind of lingers over me, really wanting them to have this stellar season that we thought they were going to have. Meanwhile, uh, Vancouver is having a much better season. Um, and I mean, I say much better loosely. They only have two more wins than Toronto, but in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, they've had a great season. Um, and yeah, I think there's there's no denying that they were really kind of hitting their stride. I think their previous loss to Toronto at the uh, start of the second half of the season was, I don't want to say a fluke because, you know, credit to both teams. Both teams were dealing with new pieces and things like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think with the experience that Vancouver now has with Hisang on the team and the role that they've been on, I think uh, the odds are definitely in their favor. Yeah. Map map, uh, differential is also pretty big between the two, despite the two losses difference. Yeah. Yeah. Between Vancouver and the next closest team uh, as well. That's true. (laughs) Well, yeah. San Francisco shock dash five Vancouver Titans plus 10. Uh, Well, you know, if you consider Vancouver loses, they don't get blown out, right? Like they're true. That that's really the difference. Not going to be three zero if resilience. Yeah, there there's always yeah, map three, right? What what was that like? Escort. <laughs> they're like eleven and two. Now they're even more than that. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing that's going to change as well, and that dynamic still is maybe not as well understood because we're going to see the the new map type mm-hmm. um, introduced, and uh, it has come out that uh, the uh, the hybrid map which the Vancouver Titans have done very well on is now map five. Oh, did this, did this come out? I hadn't heard this. Um, I, I don't know if it's official. Like, oh, okay. Again, it's, it's on the same veins as to the, the, what Scrumbucks are suggesting the meta will be. But if that is the case that, you know, takes a that map five situation where the Vancouver Titans have control issues. Guess mm-hmm. what? Yeah. If the Titans go long, they're now actually going to find their, you know, stronger map type mm-hmm. as a map five. Yeah. The problem mm-hmm. is the new map is kind of like control on maybe a little juice. Mm-hmm. So yeah. mm-hmm. makes but it a little more difficult for the Titans to get there. Yeah. They're not, at least they're not playing your worst map type twice. Right. You know? No. Whereas Toronto, I think it would be fair to say they thrive control that, that yeah. was theirs, right? Like they, yeah. they lose that sort of, ability to lock it down in a five map series but it, again there's there's just the the change of the new map but again we're we're we're, we're surmising what might happen mm-hmm. i don't know if that's a word but i made it so so with everything that we don't know and presumptively working under the previous meta what do you guys score this match as Ah, uh, let me see. I did put in these predictions. I have it right. down. And so the funny thing is, I if I record one man watch point before recording this, then I do my pickums there. If I record it after, then I do my pickums here. And I before I had realized we were going into a two week break, I mistakenly did my pickums for uh, this weekend. You know, a few weeks back before the break. Before I, you know, clued into the fact that Alari was dropping, we we're getting a new meta, whether or not that has happened or not. I mean, the meta part is, you know, what we just discussed, but I had done my picks going off of everything prior to this, this kind of two week gap. And I put it down as Vancouver three, Toronto two. And hearing the rumors about the meta, I feel like I have to stand by that. I have it as three, one. Four for Vancouver, Vancouver. Yeah, uh, I have it three to Vancouver. 
And the only reason I, I chose three, two as the, the score um, has to do with the unknown of, yes, you lose the one control that Vancouver is no good at, but you're introducing new map, which we have really no knowledge on. Um, and again, this, this is also based on the fact that I feel that the previous meta better suits Vancouver. Mm-hmm. If it's new meta, if Alari gets play, mm-hmm. you know, that changes mm-hmm. things quite a bit in my mind, though I I'd have to think like if it would have to be Crimzo and Alari, right? That's, I was just doing the math in my head there. And I think Crimzo is the one that stands out as an Alari player. If, yeah. if anyone's going to be, and then on Toronto, I mean, what is she paired you know? with on, on, um, like when she wasn't in, in the scrims, was it Lucio? Uh, Bap. Bap. Mm. Lots of firepower. Lots of. Yeah. And again, that was one of the, Saving one potential. of the rumors was that it was a, a Larry Bap. And I mean, I saw a hell of a lot, a lot of a Larry Bap and mm-hmm. in, in the game. It, it, uh, Nigh kill. unkillable. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And Crimson, Crimson is the only one that sort of stands out as, you know, he has a stellar on I don't think, you know, Toronto, mm. Although obviously they have someone who can play it, you know, I don't think you would rank them up there. It's the kind of thing where, you know, Twilight you would see on Alari probably as well. So yeah, agreed. Anyhow, tune in this weekend, obviously get to, to find out uh, if Toronto holds on to the trophy or if the uh, Vancouver Titans um, take it from them. The fan prediction on the pickums for Toronto, Vancouver right now. Have you taken mm-hmm. a peek at that? I have not. No, I haven't gone in uh, done the pickums. It yet. is sitting at forty nine point four percent in favor of Toronto, fifty point six in favor oh, of wow. Vancouver. It is just about as split as it gets. Yeah. But I would also expect that the amount of Toronto fans that vote for this as opposed to Vancouver fans is like Outweighs. three three times <laughs> as much. Yeah. True. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, so this is a good segue. The Toronto community is just absolutely phenomenal. The, the Defiant mm-hmm. as an organization have really fostered their community's growth and passion. And the community is going to be rewarded because the Overwatch League ran a, um, I don't know what you'd call it, like a promotion? Yeah. Not really a contest, but it was called Skins in the Game. And uh, essentially, uh Teams were encouraging their fans uh, to share highlights to uh, uh, get their team's skins in the game. And the Toronto Defiant were the successful uh, team who will get a custom in-game spray uh, representing the Toronto Defiant to be introduced. Um, So, I mean, again, to your point, Ani, it wouldn't be surprising to see the Toronto Defiant uh, community, you know, cook the the numbers a little bit um <laughs> and let's be honest i think the vancouver titans in the broader community are probably still held back by the uh results of 2020 and uh, what took place during the reckoning uh one final note toronto defiant uh, are also hosting their um uh what's it called uh <laughs> Fan Appreciation Weekend. Uh, it's taking place uh, this weekend. And the way their Fan Appreciation work Weekend works is all weekend long. They give out prizes. Uh, they'll have a watch party. They've got tournaments, like all sorts of stuff uh, taking place. The Toronto Defiant do this up each and every season. Uh, so if you are interested in uh, catching what's going on, obviously all the socials, uh, Defiant Discord's another good place to, to hang out. I would imagine the Titans will do something. They seem to have upped their game. But ain't no way their game's going to be anything like what the Defiant do. Anywho, we'll take ourselves a short break uh, before we dive into the fray. Titans and Toronto Defiant playing this weekend, but the uh, rest of the league is getting back in action. Um, in the West, we've still got matches to play uh, for regular season standings, and in the East, uh, the knockouts uh, will be taking place. So what we'll do here is we'll talk about what's going on in the West first. All matches happen this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. 
uh, taking on the London Spitfire as a Los Angeles Valiant. They'll get things underway on noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, August 26th. That's followed by the Houston Outlaws and Las Vegas Eternal, the Atlanta Rainwashing Injustice, and the LA Gladiators taking on New York Excelsior. Sunday, you've got the Uprising of Mayhem, Defiance and Titans, as we already know, and then the Eternal take on the Shock. They are the only team that has two matches uh, this upcoming weekend. If we go out to the east where the knockouts are happening, we know that uh, con- uh, Contenders side Poker Face Gaming is taking on uh, Pantera. Poker Face, pop, pop, Poker Face. Rhodes taking on the Dreamers. And then the uh, winner of the uh, Poker Face Panthera match takes on the Fuel and the Rhodes. Uh, Dreamers winner takes on the Hangzhou Spark. Uh, and then the winner of those two plays um, the following weekend. And then there's elimination the weekend following as well. If we go to Knockouts East B, Guangzhou Charger taking on O2 Blast. Sinpreza Gaming take on the Shanghai Dragons. The winner of the Charge O2 Blast match takes on the Soul Infernal. And the winner of the Sinpreza Game Dragons match takes on the Soul Dynasty. And then things continue from there. So the East's um, got some you know, funky structure to it mm-hmm. to find their way into the playoffs. And what? it's still not entirely clear whether a contenders team can actually get to the playoffs because none of them finished top of the table. And that was that was the one thing. It's that if they if they do this, they're there. So now it has me wondering, like, if let's say O2 Blast or Simpreza Gaming go through, does that like guarantee that uh, Infernal Dynasty are going through? Like, I don't know how that would work. Uh, similar in vain if uh, Poker Face Panther. Well, in the Knockout East E. Um, there are contenders teams going through to winners round two, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's so funky. So funky is right. That should be a team name. So funky, I'm sure it is, and if it isn't, it will be. <laughs> yeah. Also, make sure you get your pickums locked in. Uh, you have to have this done um, by a Saturday um, when everything goes and locks out. And if it's anything like me, you have been logged out of the Overwatch League site and pickums. I don't know why I was, but I was. Now, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but let's sort of dive into the meta. I understand that the two-week break, at least from what was explained, was to allow for the teams and players to adapt to a new patch, the season um, taking place, a new hero. And I actually like that they allowed for this, though one might suggest in the past when they did this, they would have this happen, go into playoffs. But I like how they're saying, no, we're going to have this get into the playoffs as our sort of springboard. The thing is, though, if we truly go back to that sort of previous meta, what was the point of the two weeks after all? Yeah, that's it's it's a valid concern because it I don't know. <clears throat> it does seem strange to me that they would sort of roll these things back like I where did that decision come from is what I want to know if that is what happens. I mean, obviously we don't know for sure, but yeah, it sounds like they uh, had this uh, hero coming that was uh, a little bit too broken. And then they took a sledgehammer to it. Apparently they did adjust like the amount of nerfing they're going to do and, and who knows really what's going to happen. Um, it's a weird approach. I, I did hear some conflicting reports who knows really what's going to happen. But if we had seen something before, is that the fact like these metas, they are very resilient, maybe too much just because teams are hesitant to experiment. Uh, but I don't know we'll, we'll see maybe teams like uh, Florida do some funky stuff. Um, I hope on one hand that we'll see something new, but on another as a, as a fan of, of the, um, titans i want them to win so i'm not sure if that's a good good idea yeah i you know the resiliency of of meta in in overwatch or at least the overwatch league has been consistent from essentially i'd say season two season one there was some variety um there was definitive meta in place but you you saw much more variety based on maps based on teams comfort goats then takes over uh and the dev team whether they would admit it or not continued to patch trying to wreck goats yeah. and unable to do that 
Like, even before that, like went what, what was in season one? They had the moth meta, right? <laughs> yeah. Mercy going crazy. Who knows? No, but like there's always been a but in season yeah, one, yeah, it was yeah. like they were there was there was variety, right? You 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 didn't have. Oh, we were all children. Uh, the, the level of Overwatch was uh, <laughs> different, you know. And then during goats, it was goats for everyone except Chengdu, who you know fell found themselves in the Chengdu zone, and it worked. Um, we've then had very consistent meta in place until last season when London, you know, decided to you know chatty themselves up. Uh, it worked not working this year Mm -hmm. but the resiliency is that a bad thing like i i don't mind obviously when my team is benefiting from it but i also understand that it can then become almost boring if it impacts the competitiveness of the league like you have such drastic differences it's not good like parity or a, a a closer you know opposite makes for you know a better league in my mind well and in a lot of ways that's kind of the that's the plight of overwatch right it's always struggled with this do you balance for the casual mass market do you balance for the pros and i think in a lot of ways the meta sort of unchanging says that they're more so balancing for the casual market right for the for the the mass audience because it yeah. means the tweaks that they make may affect those people but at the highest skill level the tweaks that they're making aren't really changing what the pros are playing right so the pros obviously have an established sort of leg up on things um i don't know it's uh it's always nice to see some variety um obviously we all remember the days as well of uh uh, whatever it was uh, hero rotations where you know heroes were locked out and yes it's we're, scary uh, days Zoe's cat uh, got to, you yep. know. Yep, that was. Was, it, was that the one that bounced May or? I think, I think so, so yeah. yes. That was, yeah. those were the days, right? A but, legend. Yeah, that's right. But I don't know. It's, uh, I personally, I've always enjoyed a uh, good dive meta with, with Winston. I think Winston is just a fun character to watch. And he's yeah. easy to understand for most people too. Yeah. Um, but well, I think the, the meta itself, it's mm-hmm. the Sombra portion of the meta. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, you get into tricky things where where certain heroes just dominate. And that's that's when it becomes a question of, can they balance that in a way that you know, exactly. doesn't affect that casual market as much, um, but does mm-hmm. affect the pros or not? Yeah, and, and I was about to drop some, you know, cold, harsh truth, but you already beat me to it, um, Jordan, is that. Not every meta is fun to watch. Yeah. They all are different. Of course, it's a matter of personal uh, preference, but some metas are really enjoyable to watch. Some are not. Uh, for, for I love the truth. I love watching the Titans stomp in goats. And I was going to say, was it, uh, was it a, was it a good meta? It was fun to, to win. Oh, it was, it was fun to win, but like it, it was just mirror, 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 mirror. Yeah, and oh, old. that team not so good at mirror. Yeah. I was the funny thing about that is that's when I became a fan of the Overwatch League. I didn't watch season one. I didn't start watching until we were in the thick of the goats meta. And for me, as someone who looked at Vancouver and said, yeah, they're, you know, top of the league, I'm going to cheer for them. Suddenly the team that I chose to follow was winning every match and winning pretty decisively. I was like, this is a, this is great. And I wasn't paying attention to the meta and I wasn't watching for these things. And I wasn't as ingrained in things as I am now. So it was fun for me, but then as time went on, it was much of the same, right? I I actually wonder because we saw the Shanghai Triple DPS win stage three, mm-hmm. right? That being before what we then saw as as back to mirror mm-hmm. as a result of the game's changes, double shield. I honestly wonder if they had they had found a perfect inflection point where teams would be incurred. Like I think we would love triple DPS. Yeah, that was one of the greatest moments I think in Overwatch uh, League history. Unfortunately, it was a little bit too late, and I think the decision yeah. was already made behind the scenes. Yeah, but like there was your <sighs> look at you've got some proof that there's an an alternative way, yeah. but also- at what cost? Right? We we, we mm-hmm. saw. A year almost, a season almost of of Prime Haxel wasted away on the brig, right? So yeah, and other like uh, obviously amazing players who just. It also feels like at that point Shanghai kind of had 
lightning in a bottle? Would they have been able to replicate that, right? Would they have been able to get away with it again? Or would another team have been able to? That's my thought. Other teams would start to try. And I, I, and I'm sure they would, but I just don't know that, you know, it it feels a little bit like a fool me once kind of thing. Um, Does Vancouver and, you know, some of these other top goats teams like San Francisco, do they see that and they go, okay, we now need to plan for that. And, counter that well, strategy think, right i think san francisco embraces it yeah actually like a team a like, like crusty would look at this and say hey yeah right and and i think that's where you know the league may have had that opportunity and i i talk about triple dps like if if we had a 6v6 um <laughs> give me three dps and the other three can be either two support two tank mm-hmm. right like to me that's i like that mm-hmm I don't know if the the game back then could have supported, like, would we have gone back to a, right. a goat's light? Who knows? Mm-hmm. In 5v5, I mean, triple DPS is just an option unless you go one tank, one support. But you imagine the amount of, you know, rework that would have to occur. Yeah, I don't think there's enough to, healing to output that. from any single hero to handle one support. You're already we, down it, to one tank, so you know you no, can't but that, really drop a tank. So, but like in a world where there was triple DPS, though, yeah. because the the DPS is what I think most people like. Like we love yeah. like phenomenal tank play, and we love great support play. DPS is the flashy; it's the highlight reel; it's the yeah, you know, changing the game kind of thing. So, anyhow, I mean, it, it's it's moot. We're not getting that, but surprise. I think, I think when I I sort of link this back to what our our conversation has been about. I don't have any issue really with Sombra as a hero. Like I see a lot of hate directed her way, delete the hero, take the hero <laughs> out. She's apparently getting a a rework um, in the future. But where I feel that Sombra currently sits is she is the player of no fun. <laughs> like opportunity hack. Mm. It's just, it's like, Oh cool. That's just not happening anymore. Um, what was the oh, term? Here- Dishonest hero. Yeah, like, I don't uh-huh. mind it from an ultimate perspective. Like, I feel that there's some true power there. Pop mm-hmm. that alt, hit that Q, no problem with the hacks. Mm-hmm. But the ability to hack and simply, it, it's it, like, right. Cassidy's nade. Oh, you've, you're hindered. Guess what? I, All that fun right. is gone because you got a homie nade t- chucked across the map and it's stuck to your ankle. I also feel like uh, she's one of those heroes that doesn't really truly have like a good counter for. There's not like a hero you can like go and select and that's it. Sombra now has, if if you're decent, needs mm-hmm. to like adjust. Yeah. That's kind of another issue with her kit. Well, someone would tell you it's Brig, but <sighs> what can like, but I'm not saying Brig is, but they'll yeah. contest, oh, Brig's your counter because of the flail, but that flail has such, you know, insignificant range mm-hmm. that Asombra decides, well, I'm not going to pay attention to the support. I'm going to go and I'm going to make yeah, the tanks like You need to like uh, 180 at some point. You need to have it off of cooldown. That, that's not a counter. That's just like yeah. a, a, a scenario where you might cancel but, the, 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 counter the the yeah and i'm not i'm not trying to suggest you're wrong you're right there isn't really a true counter like i mean and that might have some of the you know reason behind her potential rework Mm -hmm. like i i don't feel that she's not a character that fits like i was playing her earlier today uh and getting trashed about it (laughs) however you're right look what is there to counter me other than my own play Ready for another hypothetical? Never, but sure. All right. Maybe it's not a hypothetical. A a thought exercise. You have to remove one character from the game. Who are you removing? Sombra. (laughs) I was going to say, based on that conversation, it sounds like you're removing Sombra, but. No, and I am. I'm, I mean, that's me being silly, but. Is, is who's your second pick then? Because you just did talk about Sombra. Is there another character that you see up there as someone that uh, either doesn't fit with, you know, the overall sort of ethos of the game or the abilities are, you know, seem overpowered, underpowered, whatever, you know, approach it from any standpoint you want. If you want, I'll, I'll mention mine. So well, you can okay. Think, but sure. Mention yours. Mine is Widowmaker. And it's because I think Widowmaker is, it's more about the fit with all of the other characters, all the other heroes, right? She she's sort of the definition of a one trick 
just by nature of what she does, right? She is a long range sniper. Yes, she can pull off a headshot and one shot some heroes, but even at that, a lot of heroes have more health than her one shot can do. Um, and I don't, I just don't think that she fits with the sort of idea and of everything. Even Anna, who's yeah. the closest comparison to her, doesn't do that much damage with one shot. Yes, she is a long range sniper as well, but her damage, you know, hits less hard and does a little bit of, you know, damage over time kind of thing. But you have to consecutively hit more shots than her. Whereas, and that's, you know, I, I like the movement of Widowmaker, but I think they could easily attach that to a different they hero or another hero. Range a little bit now. Um, yeah, and 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 she's been balanced a little bit, and at times she's scary to play against, and at times she's not. I just don't think she fits with the overall sort of. Mm-hmm. Every hero is almost, I feel like, playable by every person yeah. in a lot I of mean, ways. At least she's counterable more than Sombra yeah. is. It's true. It's true. Who's uh, who's the hero you remove there, uh, Alex? I don't know. It's either Sombra or Brig at this moment. <laughs> and well, and that was what I was going to say is if you hear the general consensus, Brig it would I think would have been the other one. Though I I like like I love Brig, Brig. Old, for me personally. Old Brig, I would have been okay with that. But new Brig, I don't actually have as big of an issue with it. I think she she sort of fits a little bit better. Yeah. But if you, you you sort of expand that, like how many people would say get Junkrat out of the game? Junkrat, no skill. Oh, Reaper, which, no skill. Which is funny because, you know, the second anyone goes Junkrat, your whole team starts flaming you. And Junkrat is a meme, you know, the fact of playing. Oh, I was memeing the hell out of the team against me uh, this afternoon. And that's the thing is he can still be fun to play. Like, you know, when you're just yeah, messing around, Junkrat is a blast. So much fun. I used to it's chaos side note, but I used to love Junkrat in deathmatch. I used to play him all the time in deathmatch. Cause oh, he just nuke people, especially when he had two minds. Oh my God, that was amazing. Yeah. He was indestructible, yeah. but, but again, but anyways, really, I, I see a Junkrat, I go fire right away and it's fine. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and I, and, like if I'm, if I'm junk and I see a Pharaoh, guess what? Uh, next time I'm back to spawn, I'm yeah. not junk anymore. I mean, yeah, Learn there's also like, Playing against May is not fun, but I uh, her yeah. kid is fine. It's like she's a well-designed hero. She has a role and a purpose, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah. Just get rid of Cassidy's grenade. I mean, yes. If we're talking a single ability we're getting rid of, I'm getting rid of that grenade. That thing I have no terrible. problem with the hinder being a slow. No, I agree. Like, I, I don't flashbang whatsoever. So better. I was going to say, I had less of a problem with flashbang, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But like the fact that that grenade can be thrown across, I know it can't be thrown across the map anymore, but it's still, no, I know. it, it'll home and he can, you know, get you on the little toe and that's sufficient to cancel anything that you were doing. And by the way, you can't move anymore. Yeah. Um, I'd just much rather be slapped. Yeah. Like, you know, anyhow, um, We'll know the more about the meta in this entire conversation may have been moot this weekend, but uh, where is this sort of all coming from? Well, if you happen to uh, pay attention to uh, the uh, Overwatch news, uh, officially out of uh, Activision Blizzard, uh, director's take from Aaron Keller uh, started talking a little bit about uh, Invasion and Beyond. It's their biggest season launch ever. I wanted to clarify that. Um, Talked about the newest support hero, really uh, likes what they're hearing, um, wanted to make sure that Alaria was not overpowered. <laughs> the funny thing is, oh, not overpowered. If we were to release a damage hero with a one-shot ability, we would be a little more careful with their power level. But with support, not so much. Okay. Um, but what's interesting is that he doesn't really get into much about the decision as to why, but yeah, we're making a few adjustments on Thursday, August 24th, most likely to her healing pylon and ultimate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we want her to be very strong and we don't feel that she's overpowered. Um, but here's the changes we're making and it's nerf that quick, a little overpowered and we're going to change some things. Yeah. Uh, talks about flashpoint being the new game mode. And, uh, he's like, there's not a whole lot of conversation about flashpoint. We're kind of surprised, but hey, it's because you're all just enjoying the heck out of Alari and Invasion. Um, so he's encouraging people to uh, share what they like and dislike about Flashpoint so that they can iterate on it. <laughs> yeah. um, also gets into the story missions and uh, talks a little bit about how um, they're really liking how the legendary 
versions of the story uh, missions are so impossible to to beat that uh, that's exactly where they want it to be. I have no problem, to be honest with that, like coming to the world of Destiny where like the the significant end game dungeons and what have you required like no mistakes, no problem here. Um, but he doesn't really talk about discussion I've seen quite a bit out, which actually resonates with what we talked about last episode where, wait a minute, you gave me this and you expect this to be the, you know, try before I buy. And it's not that good. It's no different. So why would I? And I think, you know, they, they missed a mark there. They should have really come out guns blazing with something to really uh, wet that whistle. But uh, Hey, they're also disappointed that uh, the passionate community on steam has uh, review bombed them to oblivion. <laughs> so um, he, he actually talks about how, um, many of the comments were talking about the removal of the PVE being included or like the full sort of experience. And again, we talked about this last episode, go back and listen to that if you want. Uh, and if he could go back in time, you know, maybe he would make changes that wouldn't have made a promise, but, uh, they're simply going to continue to add and improve. And, uh, we're really excited. Not a whole lot to come out of that. Um, beyond that, the Lari adjustment that's happening just so darn quick. And I think that has everything to do with the Overwatch League. I mean, I can't think of any other reason. Like, it's not that there's his balance patches sort of in the middle of the season that has happened. It just seems this one. Yeah. PDQ. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it's got to be, got to be Overwatch League. I think they must be getting some feedback or something that, again, it's this whole meta shift thing, like, there's something that we're not seeing or hearing here that is causing this. Um, it's, su- it's still surprising that it would shift backwards so drastically um, if, you know, the rumors are to be believed. But, yeah. And then the final uh, bit of news out of the Activision Blizzard front is uh, actually from Microsoft, the uh, up to now kind of sort of probably new overlords. Uh, they have uh, come to an agreement with Ubisoft to uh, sell off the Activision Blizzard cloud streaming rights. Now, this deal is to acquiesce or accommodate what's happening in the UK specifically. Um, but what's interesting is that um, Ubisoft would only have the rights to the cloud streaming, um, I think, outside of North America but I'm not entirely sure if it impacts the EU, but the EU watchdog has now come to pay attention to this, wondering if this is against the agreement that Microsoft had given them. So Microsoft and the EU had essentially come to an agreement that no cloud cloud streaming, anyone can access this. It's not going to be uh, rights owned by any particular developer. And so what that would allow is if the three of us decided we were going to go spin up a RSP GameWorks. And we wanted to go and acquire the opportunity to have, um, you know, Call of Duty streaming through the cloud, through our platform in the EU, no problem. We'd still have to pay for the rights to do that. Like we have to go and, you know, negotiate. But it was with the people that were selling it. Now, in this particular case, with Ubisoft, it was going to say, hey, no dice. You got to come through us to get that which you have to also pay them. And he was like, nah, doesn't seem right. It would just seem weird that Microsoft would, would potentially scuttle the deal they have with the EU over the UK. Yeah. I mean, it's a big market, right? And they, they need to make something happen there or at least the way they see it, they do. Um, Yeah. It's, it's confusing and, all around. I mean, it really comes down to the fact that Microsoft is this close. Yeah, exactly. To completing the deal. They're at the finish um, line. They just need something to push them over. Right. Yeah. This is just I, holding them back. Yeah, And there's no guarantee that the CMA in the United Kingdom is going to go and say, yeah, no problem. Like they haven't actually commented um, on it yet. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyhow, um, yeah, that's it. Look at that. 40 minutes. Got close to the end. We got 20 minutes to go. 
and we do our final words of wisdom. But before we get there, uh, if you're finding our back catalog, you can go to readysetpwn.com and look at the broken website. But the widget has most of the episodes I've learned, not all of them, because they actually limit. I think it's the 100 episodes, and we're at like 200 some on now. Uh, 209. So sorry about that. I will find a way to get the full back catalog out there. You can actually get the full back catalog for all the podcast applications that are out there. Um, but I'm learning new things uh, each and every week. Uh, we aren't frantically panicking that our platform that we're going to record on is going away yet. Um, which is good because that would have been fun. But, uh, yeah, we're also on the social medias, uh, at Ready Set Home. So final words of wisdom, uh, gentlemen. Yeah, so today's joke is not my own. It's uh, It was actually voted, I don't know if you heard news, it was voted as the best joke at Edinburgh, uh, Edinburgh Fringe 2023. I don't know, it's a big thing for comedians. <laughs> and it's a pun, it's pretty good, actually. Uh, it's just a one-liner. I started dating a zookeeper, but it turned out he was a cheetah. Ooh. <laughs> I get it. Good. Yeah, it was voted first. Uh, I think I should uh, give the credit to Lorna Rose. So she she's the winner. Yeah, well done, Lorna Rose. Well Jordan. done, Lorna. All right, it's time for another round of Name That Voice Line. So we've got oh. three voice lines here. I'm going to pose them to you guys, and you have to uh, say which character said them. So mm-hmm. we're going to start easy here. We're going to go with this one. And this one is, oh, I'm just debating between a couple. Okay, we'll go a perfect stick. A perfect stick? Yeah. I'm going to Genji it. Uh, Junkrat? No. Actually, no, Tracer? Yes, there you go. It's a uh, Tracer quote. It is. I'm sorry. Yeah, he, I was it doesn't stick. work without the it, British accent. I'm sorry. That's the point. <laughs> that's that's good. No, that was good. Good thinking. I see where you're both coming from. Very interesting. But okay, okay. Here we go. This one. I'll give you some context behind it. This is during setup. So when you're in the spawn room. Okay. What a be- what a beautiful day. Let's make the most of it. I guess oh this is, goodness. it's, it says this is in the category of hero select during setup. I assume yeah, that means yeah, spawn yeah. room. Yeah. Spawn room. This is like start. a normie hero. No, no edge to it at all. <laughs> it's, what was it again? What a beautiful day. Let's make the most of it. May. It seems like a, it's a positive it, to me. It's a positive hero. So it'd be like a may a mercy. Um, Zen. No, <laughs> you haven't picked it yet. <laughs> Winston? No. Do you want one more, Alex? Lucio? It's Reinhardt. Really? What? That does not like and I play Reinhardt. So there's a little play button on the audio here. I can't you guys won't hear it, but I could hear it. No, no, I I trust you (laughs) that that, that's the case. It's a rare one, I think. Now if I had said, Where's my lucky hammer? Ah, I'm holding that one. You would have got, I'm sure. All right, final one. Final one. This is These are tough. Potentially hard mode here. Yeah, I would be atrocious at this. I don't know what she gets, but this one, I'm over the moon. Winston. That's Winston, no? Nice job. Nice job. You both got that one. Yeah. That was actually an easy. That one. is, do you know when he says that? Both having a clue. When he's on sometime fire. Sometime during the game. Yeah, well, yes. Uh, well, sometimes, not always. It's only when he's on fire. So, hmm. yeah. I like Zen's line when he's on fire. What is Zen? He says, I'm on fire, but an, an extinguisher would not be necessary. <laughs> hmm. uh, so um, I'm a big Star Trek fan. Uh, so right now I'm living the good life. Uh, I encourage people who are fans of Star Trek who have not yet checked out uh, Strange New Worlds to do so. It's a phenomenal show. Lower Decks, another phenomenal show. Um, but I got a, a joke about the uh, OG captain, which is not really the OG captain, but I'm going to go with Captain Kirk. How many ears does Captain Kirk have? I don't know Star Trek at all. I mean, like I know like two stuff. (laughs) I'm not going to get this. So, so Omni said two. It's actually three: the left ear, the right ear, and the final frontier. Ah, okay, okay. I I get that. I get that. It's pretty good. 
yeah. which also uh, is the title of one of the uh, original series. I, movies, I have but. a weird tangent here since we do have uh, some time. I remember you posting on Facebook that you were a big fan of, of Top Gun and you were uh, yes. in big anticipation for Maverick. And yes. I never got around to like uh, hearing your reactions on it because I, I, I wasn't as huge a fan and I loved it. I think you probably loved it too. So I, I did. I know there are some who were big fans who are like, no, it wasn't right. No, I, I felt they, they scratched the nostalgia itches that were exactly. necessary. And then they in turn allowed for a story to develop with a newer uh, cast of characters. So like one of the challenges, I think a lot of the, the reboots yeah. have, have struggled with is to take nostalgia and bridge over to a new cast of characters. Mm. I feel Top Gun Maverick did that. It's gotten to the point where now if we were to go and, you know, see Tom Cruise exit stage left, that would never occur. He'll be flying, you know, uh, F-16s into his 90s mm-hmm. at this rate. They have a, a pathway. So, yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I if there's agree. one area that I felt a little let down um, was that emotional sort of you know, uh, you know, bow at the end, like it had an emotional sort of pull here and there. Right. But at the end, it just sort of felt like, Oh, that's it. Like it, whereas like the original top gun, everything got, you know, tied up neatly. Hmm. Yeah, I guess, I guess. Oh, it is a good sequel. Uh, kind of like a blade runner esque where it knows, you know, to, Pay good homage to the original. Well, we we should definitely do like maybe if you ever watch League Dies, a kind of like a, into like a movie TV show review thing. Yeah, we'll maybe. Um, on that topic, so like Ghostbusters, I was actually going to use as sort of the counter that with Ghostbusters, they tried to do a a complete like sort of remake reboot. Um, I think they did themselves a disservice bringing original characters into different roles. Like you, that, you're talking, of course, the the Chris Hemsworth. Uh, yes, that one, right? I actually thought that sort of really embraced the, you know, um, craziness that the the sort of original Ghostbusters did. Maybe not dark enough, but when you have, or you know, the original characters have cameos, but not as themselves. Mm. To me, that that just make the cut nice and clean. Whereas the you know more recent Ghostbusters reboot, mm-hmm. which is Afterlife. existing in the same universe. Yeah, Afterlife. Right. I felt they did okay mm. tying things together, mm-hmm. but I wasn't as like, I wasn't as, as connected to it as I was with like Ghostbusters. I mean, Ghostbusters two is okay, but I felt one was it. Yeah. I mean, Ghostbusters is a whole thing. Like, that's a topic. That's a podcast in itself because yeah. I mean, Ghostbusters I mean, Two was a totally different movie than the first, and it was made for you know toys and children and stuff like that. Yeah. And then there's like Indiana Jones as a franchise. I have not seen the Dial of Destiny. I haven't um, either. I have heard that I, it's not as bad as the critics may have largely led us to believe. Everyone well, I know I th- who's seen it has actually been like, it was actually pretty good. It was enjoyable. Yeah, at least. and I I think that that a lot of those who've seen it who says it's not bad are also saying like this should have been the last yeah, movie. This should have been the Chris- King crystal, crystal skull was, was what <laughs> made things bad. Yeah. 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 They, they had to nuke the fridge all over again. Yeah. Spoiler alert. If, hey, if you have no context, that is not a spoiler at all. <laughs> it's just a weird saying. Oh, look what you did. Omni. You got us to the hour almost. There you go. Nice. So on behalf of myself, Chris at Lightforce, Jordan at Sir Dr. Jam, the host of the One Man Watchpoint Podcast, and the host toting to Toronto for the Grand Finals, on the Ed Omni Strife, I'm going to sign off this episode with those magical words. Catchphrase! Catchphrase!